This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Joining me right now is the one and only Kobe Campbell. Uh, she is a licensed trauma therapist, an author, wellness advocate, a podcaster, and a mother who's releasing her debut book, Why Am I Like This? That's not how it actually sounds, but in my head when I read it, it feels like, Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Your Faith, released today. Uh, the book offers a deeper understanding of what trauma and healing really are and how our trauma shows up in our everyday lives. She's got a lot of tender wisdom, some rare vulnerability, and profound honesty in this piece. And she empowers readers to step into their healing and joy through therapeutic evidence-based coping skills and resources. Kobe Campbell, it is such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It is a real pleasure. And I'm hearing that I'm actually pronouncing your first name correctly. So let's get it. Could you say your name properly so people actually know we're not talking about Kobe, the player. Could you pronounce your name, please? Kobe. Kobe. Okay, let's get the accents right. We've been talking about having a colonized tongue for a long time. Kobe is how we are going to address this. Sister. I'm really glad that you're here. Can you talk with us about your experiences in observing your clients, your patients, even in your own lived experience, how traumas from time in the past can still end up shaping who we are today, the decisions we make today, how we feel about ourselves and others today. Talk with us about the science of the hurt that trauma causes? Yes. I mean, that's a powerful question. I think many of us don't realize that every experience we have is biologically encoded into our DNA. Oh, sis, you every stepped right in. Hold on now. I didn't know I was going to need to take notes have. this quickly. Let me get a fresh <laughs> piece of paper because I, I sense the spirit about to hit. Everything <laughs> we experience is encoded in our gen- Say that one more time. Everything we experience is encoded into our DNA, right? So when we experience something, especially when we experience it recurringly, the effects of that moment are literally encoded into our DNA and then passed along. What I love about this uh, profession, about this space, is we know this stuff. It just gives us language for what we already know. Because mm. if someone's a drinker, if someone struggles with alcoholism, we'll say, well, his daddy was a drinker. You know his grandpa was a drinker. We didn't have the language for it. But what we're talking about is epigenetics, the mm. reality that our social interactions, the every day conversations, the things that we experience, the things that we see, the things we engage with are things that literally wire our brain. And that wiring is encoded into our DNA. So you don't have to remember something with your mind to recall it with your body. Mm. right? And so a lot of us are living out the memories of our childhood unconsciously through our patterns that we're struggling to change. And that's where I meet people. They come to me and they're like, I don't have trauma. I don't, I don't have any of that, but there's this thing I can't stop doing, or mm. I want to start doing this and stop doing this. And I've started and stopped so many times. Why won't it stick? Well, it won't stick because the patterns of the present are tied to the pain of the past. My God. And until we deal with that pain in the past, those patterns are always going to be fueled and uh, motivated to continue in our lives. And we're not going to be truly incentivized to let go of something that we feel is protecting us. Mm. 
And if I'm t- taking what you just said out a little further, does that mean that if it's a part of my encoded DNA that I have incorporated it, either knowingly or not, as something that is familiar, that is protective, that is known? Is that the, the thinking behind that? Absolutely. Uh, one of the wow. things I, I have to explain to people often is you can't lo- let go of the patterns because the patterns are protecting you from something. And a question I ask many of my clients is what emotion would you have to get acquainted with if you could never engage in this pattern again? Ooh. Wow. If magically, you couldn't overeat. Magically, you couldn't overdrink. Magically, you couldn't sneak over to that person's house. If whatever it is, if you could never do it again, what emotion would you have to get acquainted with? When we see our patterns as as like things that demonstrate our character, we miss the reality that our patterns are actually ways that we soothe our past pain. Oh my God. Sis, you are, I wish we had a, a Holy Ghost shout button because I would certainly <laughs> cue it up right now. Brittany, we need that sound effect of the Holy Ghost shout because you're, I'm, I'm now experiencing what you're saying, not just as the host of this conversation, but as someone who has experienced what you're talking about. And I'm feeling a resonance yeah. with it that feels like it's imprinting itself in my DNA. And I would imagine that if this is true for me as an individual, it can also be true for groups of people. It's not just something that is my individual trauma. If I'm a part of a group that is experiencing a collective trauma, does that happen in the same way? Yes, it does, right? Because you have to think about something. If a people group are uh, experiencing something collectively, not only is trauma the things that are inflicted onto our bodies, but the things that are inflicted onto our minds, right? Mm-hmm. That means the stories that we tell literally shape our biological structure, our expression of our DNA. So when we think about, you know, us as a people group, the stories we've had to to retell out of safety, don't go to that place. You're not safe here. Come mm. in the house when the, when the streetlights come on. All of those stories speak to a collective traumatization, a collective wound that we can feel in our bodies, right? That's why someone can say, mm, and we know what kind of mm, it is. Mm. We feel it in our bodies. The the trauma, it lives in our bodies. But I also think that we have such a divine gift of movement, right? So we have uh, the system in our body called the limbic system. And it's a system that kind of processes um, the pains that we've endured. And the language of the limbic system is movement, meaning we release trauma through movement. We release trauma first through understanding, yes, we need to talk about it, but we talk about it so that we can understand what to do about it. And we are experts at the doing, right? People often say that, you know, Black people are resilient and we are resilient, but I also think that we have mastered the unspoken process um, of healing, right? In some ways we've we've skipped over the talking about it part and we jump right into the moving and Mm. both parts are needed, but, there's a reason why shouting is the thing. You think about the most wow. physically oppressed people when free wanted to do what? They wanted to move their bodies. They wanted to literally shake off the wounds, the pains, the words spoken over them throughout the day, throughout mm. the week. Right? Um, and so, you know, we are, we are traumatized as people. We are traumatized as groups. We are healed as people. We are healed as groups. The, the same system that helped us metabolize the harm is the same system that helps us metabolize the healing, right? 
So we get to use the system that was used against us for our good, for our benefit, you know? And that's my favorite thing about teaching people about healing is if you, if you know how you got there, you know how to get back. If Girl, you know how someone you done, you, I'm, you my mind, uh, if y'all can see me, I might, I don't even know if this is going to make it to YouTube. My mouth just been hanging open <laughs> the whole time you've been talking, but it, we are going to put this on YouTube. Uh, but like, let's talk about this connection between movement and talk, because as you're describing yeah. this, I'm imagining not just African dancers. I'm imagining liturgical yeah. dancers in prayer spaces yeah. and in religious spaces yeah. where that seeing those bodies embody the language of the music, it is anointing yeah. bringing down it. It, it can cause yeah. an emotional release. It can raise chills on the arms because we are connected with the rhythm. Yep. And it, it, when you said that, I'm like, how is it that the most rhythmic people on the planet are able to, how can we take the language component? Because we don't talk about it. We skip over the, as you said, yeah. we move past the talk and we go right to the movement. But I think yeah. if we are able to connect our movement to our dis discourse about the trauma, is that uh, one of the pathways to healing from the trauma that you're referencing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the value of talking about it is acknowledging it and naming it for what it is. Mm. So we have um, the amygdala is on the right posterior part of the brain. And this is the this is the structure that processes the fight, the flight, the freeze, that trauma response. Right. When we are in distress, when we are deeply wounded, the amygdala is sending off, firing off distress signals, right? But then the left side of the brain processes language. When we put words to how we're feeling, the left side of the brain literally releases calming neurotransmitters to calm the part of our brain that's stressed. Like there is a, there is a reason why our language has been suppressed. There's a reason why we've been taught to keep things quiet. There's a reason why we've been taught to, to sit down and be quiet, right? That's not something that we adopted within ourselves because historically we came from societies that did what? Spoke. Yeah. Our in multiple languages. In multiple right. languages. Right. Wow. Our, our history was spoken. And so uh, what are the odds that, you know, down the road, the one thing we struggle with the most is is speaking up, right? This is is, is telling wow. the truth is is naming things for what they are. But there is a free there's a biological freedom that comes from naming things mm. for what they are, right? There's not it's not just about conversation. It's when your therapist is asking you uh, what happened. It's not just so that they can understand to build a plan to help you out. That's part of it, but it's also because it's freeing for you to get it out. It's freeing for you. The number one predictor of resilience is uh, community and the ability to freely share what you're going through. Wow. A lot of us aren't bouncing back because we're alone. Girl, I, I just need that to sit for just a second because my heart is racing. My mind is racing. I'm seeing some of the comments. You are, your words are landing in very powerful ways. And when you talked about what we did before we, the colonization, the, the enslavement, the ma'afa, that, which is the phrase that we use to describe that we had oral history as a fundamental part of who we were, the ability to yeah. sit and tell stories that didn't just talk about my grandfather and grandmother, but could go back 10, 20, 40, 50 generations. Uh, there was one uh, a community member, 
I can't remember where from the continent she was from, but she was on another show on this channel talking about uh, in her community, they can take their names back. The first thing they learn is their names because they have to be able to go back enough thousands of years with their name to know how they're connected to you. So that's one of the conversations they'll first have when meeting new people is they'll take, they'll tell the story, take the names back until they find the connection because we are all in fact connected and the power of oral history, what we can do with spoken word, we can do so much. I mean, our hip hop music is literally spoken word in ways that motivate us to actions that are could be beneficial could not be but the power of the word and I, I'm thinking about the Christian tradition you see how I'm rambling right now because my thoughts are all over the place because this is when I think about the Christian tradition God spoke and then the universe came into being God so we have a clear yep. recognition of the power of speaking and yet yeah. uh, Dr. Campbell we are also a people who do not want to talk about that pain we have yeah. entire generations of not passing down the stories of what happened to us from right after enslavement, yeah. not telling what happened, giving the warning, giving the don't you do that, don't you go to that space, get home before the sun goes down or get home before the yeah. streetlights come on. But we don't yeah. talk about or name the thing that happened to us. And that has been what many have said is a survival skill because it was so great, that pain. It was so significant, that yeah. pain. But if I heard what you said at the first part properly, what emotion would we have to experience if we could not continue in that behavior? What emotion would we as a people have to experience if we could not continue to be silent about what happened to us? If we were forced to speak out, to name the incidences, to speak to them, to call them out to each other, to call them out and speaking truth to power, that is very scary to me, but it feels absolutely Terrifying. necessary. Yes, that is, that's it right there. We would have to get acquainted with fear. We would have to get acquainted with fear, right? And so much of our culture is rooted in demonstrating strength in the midst of adversity, oh which God. is admirable in so many ways. But we got to get acquainted with fear because fear is an emotion that communicate there is a threat. And if oh we God. silence fear, we desensitize ourselves to the threat that's before us. If we wow. silence fear... We desensitize ourselves to the threat that's before us. You know, I was just telling a client a couple of weeks ago, there is an insidious cycle um, in our community. It's the three S's, uh, sexual abuse, silence, and suicide. Mm. So three things that almost all of us have in our family stories and none of us talk about. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And How those three S's feed into each other. And the silence feels like it's at the heart of so much of it. It's at the heart of so yeah. much internal pain. It's at the heart of, you know, why it is that we would force a, a sexual assault victim to sit across the Thanksgiving table with the person who assaulted them because we keep quiet. Yep. We don't air our dirty laundry. Oh my God, we don't yep. air our dirty laundry as a defense mechanism. Does yeah. this mean we should? So what do we do in the reverse? Because if I start talking about too much, I could destroy some relationships, Doc. I could, I could tear it up. Like, how do I begin voicing these things in a way that a community that has spent from 1865 until now being quiet about these things, how do we even begin yeah. this conversation? Wow. Well, I will say this. It starts in here first and then it comes out here. Mm -hmm. We have to understand it for ourselves. What did I experience? What did that do to me? 
How did that shape how I see the world? What emotional and mental limitations did it put on me? What things did it desensitize me to? What Mm. things did it make me feel okay with that in my heart I'm not okay with? When we begin to understand it in here first and then begin to have safe, keyword safe conversations Mm. with the people that we can trust, that's how that transformation happens, right? We, We can't just jump out and be like, this doesn't this, this happened and and burn everything down right because mm. we lose a sense of safety and safety is the foundation of all healing right and you wonder why this is the generation that's ready to do the healing because we have a sense of safety is it complete no but we have a sense of safety that past generations did not have could wow. not access could not physically access that safety, right? And now we're getting a sense of safety. And with that safety becomes uh, the opportunity to reflect, the opportunity to learn. Our brain can literally only learn when we're safe. When we are in distress and afraid, our brain shuts off uh, the, the parts that help us learn new information. So it's biologically impossible to truly learn information when you're terrified, right? And so we have to con- even consider that when it comes to generational healing, we look back at the past generations with a reverence and respect, but sometimes with a critique that misses the fact that they were terrified. They may not have looked scared, but they were scared. How could they learn about healing when they were just surviving, My God. right? So we take their, their offering of survival and we build upon it with safety. And upon that, we can create generations that um, disrupt uh, so we can heal, that speak up so we can heal because the status quo will never heal you. The status quo helps you stay in the path of harm. Mm. You have said a lot and I'm wondering, are all therapists like you? Cause I need <laughs> like, I'm just wondering because I, I, I often wonder if going to a therapist and, and I, I have one, uh, we, most people in my family have a therapist, but we don't often talk about, I don't think we've ever talked about this. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how did you get to this point where you're able to not just be able to articulate everything that is causing the hair on the back of my neck to stand up the way that it is. But how were you able to craft an analysis of this that relates to us as individuals and to us as a people and what training, like where did, who, where did you come from doc? Like, how did you get like, to talk to us? Like, how did you get to this space? Because this is the type of conversation I need to be having way more often. Mm, well, I'll have to say this for legal purposes. I'm not a doctor yet. Okay. Soon, right. hopefully. I'm going to speak it into um, existence. But I, honestly, I think it's life. I think mm. like living living life and going through healing, I've been graced to be able to go through healing my trauma at the same time that I'm also learning about this in an academic space. And mm. um, I think that learning, the more I took risks, the more I realized that risks were the path to healing Mm. that like I could not make everyone happy and heal because I had to resist the systems that allowed me to get to 20 something years old and suicidal. Like these systems were comfortable in my, in my pain. And so it, it just led for me a lot of questions like what, what led me here why am I like this that's why the book is titled that that's literally the question I found myself asking like how did I get here? How did I get to a place where I can't even remember the last day I laughed? 
Mm. How did I get to a place where, you know, I'm struggling to get out of bed. How did I get to a place where people can treat me poorly? And I don't even think it's okay for me to stand up for myself. How did I get to this place? And, you know, for me, it was really my relationship with God. I felt like when I really began my relationship, with that's what led me to this profession. When I began my relationship with God, it was like nothing I'd ever been taught in church. Wow. It was like nothing I'd ever been preached to like no one because no one could answer the question okay I believe in God but also I'm still depressed there's Mm. a gap between those two where's the answer that's why I wrote this book because I felt like nobody knew the answer um there are some people in my journey who really helped me discover the answer for myself um by just facilitating great conversations and and being my therapist but I saw like there are people out here who, let me say this, there is a lot of content out there that weaponizes God against people who look like us. Mm. A lot of content out there that weaponizes, um, that gives a narrative of religion that's harmful. And I felt like not enough people were giving content that was about a God who cared about your trauma, a God who saw the generational burdens you're carrying. All of us are carrying for every generation that did not do the healing. We carry that burden in our bodies. Mm. Like, is God just asking me to like be perfect? No. And I, I found and encountered, you know, a God who laughed with me and it felt like every time I prayed, there was just a little rub on my back saying, it's okay. You got this. You got wow. this. You can do it. You can speak up. You can tell them what happened. And um, I want other people to experience that, you know, the faith aspect, absolutely. But also to get the information. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't believe what I believe. I want you to know that there is science that, that says you your body is holding the things that you have not processed will not process themselves and if you don't process it you're setting up the next generation people love to talk about this generation like oh they're they're so weak they're so and I'm like yeah because we're carrying your burdens in mm. our bodies every single day you're saying that we can't handle this we can't handle that we're too weak we're too sensitive I mean someone's gonna be tired in the hundredth hour versus the first hour. Wow. You were in the 50th hour. I'm in the 150th hour and I'm carrying your burden. And I know I will not give that burden to my children. I know I will not give that burden to my grandchildren. And so um, I, I want people to know whether you believe what I believe or not, we are in this thing together. We are in this thing for restoration for ourselves as people and for our communities. Mm. And that healing is possible for black people. Healing and and Black voices can contribute, and we have a specific wisdom for healing spaces. Everybody who talks about healing cannot be white. Come on now, like this, we have a voice in resilience. We have an we have a lived expertise in suffering, and that means we also have a lived expertise in healing too. And it's voices like yours, I think, that are going to help us to recognize the expertise that is among us, because we part of our pain is not even recognizing that if we are experts in the suffering, then we can also be experts in the healing. This book, Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma and Restore Your Faith. 
We only have just a few minutes left, but what are some of the key takeaways that you want readers of this book? Uh, because I'm already, I'm sending my, my producing team messages. I want them to bring you back. <laughs> we got more to talk through because I, I got some notes. I take copious notes on these airwaves and I, I have more questions. But what are some of the top takeaways that you want readers to get uh, from getting this book, from, from thinking about things in the way that you present them? What should we be looking for? Absolutely. Um, I would say this is going to pull you out of your comfort zone. Mm. This is going to pull you to, to encourage you to even talk with yourself if you're not ready with other people about what you've experienced. Because the same way, if I'm hungry right now and I don't eat, time is not going to make me less hungry. It's going to make me more hungry. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> hunger doesn't absolve itself you know mm. the hunger doesn't just magically go away I might get desensitized to it for a little bit but when I get resensitized I'll be near death mm. and a lot of us are becoming awakened to our pain close to the edge and so this is a, a book that's going to invite you to talk about it whatever it is for you it's going to be a book that helps you understand that the everyday patterns that you can't change are tied to the past pain you haven't addressed um, it's going to help you see a different perspective of God and faith. It's going to help you see that God as a resource for the journey, not a judge for your pain. Um, and it's going to help you see yourself with a little more grace and mercy. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. sis you done I, I knew we was going to have a good conversation I didn't know I was going to feel physically impacted the way that I do I'm having an epigenetic reaction to the words that you are saying yes. I think some of those 100 years of pain and burden just got pricked it's like who is that who touching us why, why are we getting pricked up in this conversation <laughs> this is powerful because one of the things that I know from watching folks like Dr. Joy DeGruy who talks about post-traumatic slave syndrome one of the things that I yeah. know from, from listening to folks like Dr. Naeem Akbar who uh, was just a phenomenal uh, African-centered psychologist is that we have to be able to grapple with the reality of what happened. And if we cannot, yeah. and, and the challenge that a lot of us are facing is that we go to school in places like Florida, but we don't know what happened. We don't know the story. And and one of my husband always says sending black children or black people out into this world without knowing the story of what happened is like sending you in, into a war zone with no weaponry, no maps, no defense mechanisms, and yeah. just expecting you to thrive and absorb whatever it is you have to absorb in order to get to the other side. But this is a yeah. framework that I think is extraordinarily helpful because to be a people who descended from oral history masters in addition to having literate written history, but oral history yeah. masters, uh, people who to this day can use our words to artistically express our pain, whether through hip hop yeah. or spoken word from a distance, because even in our artistry where it's a distant artist, it's speaking for everyone, but it's not necessarily naming my specific pain. And it, yeah. to be able to tie our movement to the, the connection that we have with communication as part of our healing, you have said some things here that I think we are going to have to sit with for quite some time. The idea of needing to be acquainted with the fear. We have songs yeah. that say, I ain't never scared. Strong black what? woman, strong black. Oh, yeah. never scared. Like we, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't do fear. You're going to catch these hands uh -huh. before I catch a, a being afraid. And the reality yeah. is that's a defense mechanism that is masking the very real palpable fear that we have within us that yeah. either from individual traumas, collective traumas that we are shielding our own selves from. And if I'm hearing you correctly, it's the shielding of ourselves from it that's keeping us from healing through it. And I'm really grateful that you have put this down into written form. 
The book is called Why Am I Like This? I know a lot of us ask ourselves that question, but the follow-up is How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Our Faith, Your Faith. Uh, The book is available today, a day where we acknowledge the, the, the slaying of one of our great leaders who himself, an oratorical giant, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was able to speak directly to some of these things in powerful ways and well, yes. we got a long way to go. Please check your email. Shayla's going to be reaching out to you to request that you come back. You can't just start a conversation like this and just tip on out all willy-nilly. <laughs> We're going to have to have some follow-up discussion because we, we are a group that is trying to heal. And we're a group that believes Mm -hmm. that healing is our birthright. And so is the joy that comes in the aftermath of that as well. Kobe Campbell, I almost said doctor again. I'm going to speak it into existence. Soon to be Dr. Kobe Campbell. Uh, We appreciate you. How do people get the book? And more importantly, how do they follow you and continue to learn? Because I see you got like 100,000 followers on TikTok. You out there, sis. You putting this message out. How do we connect (laughs) with you beyond these airwaves? Yes. Well, um, on all the socials, it's at Kobe Campbell underscore. Uh, you can visit my website, www.kobecampbell.com backslash book to grab a copy of your book. You can also get it literally anywhere the books are sold. Get one for you, get one for your friend. There's lots of uh, reflection questions at the end of the chapters. And so it's a great read for a community. We can heal together. Mm. Putting together this summer book club list. I'm just saying this is, this is, yeah, this is part of that list. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us. You have blessed me today. I have to go gather my thoughts and meditate on the good word. I have to run the app back and listen to my damn self, have the conversation with you. Um, We appreciate you. Thank you for this. This is very important work and it's necessary. Very necessary. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 